This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to welcome back Colin Watt. Colin, you've had a couple of weeks off, how are you doing? Yeah, I've managed to hide under all the, the things that have been happening at a minute, but no, as you said, um, I was away for my birthday, had a great time, big shout out to the Tyneside number one CSC for welcoming me in for the, the Milan game the other day, um, but delighted to be back, let's see what this week brings um, and we'll see what the, the people have to say. Indeed, there has been quite a lot happening um, in actual fact, but what I would say is, first off the bat, Liam Kelly, who's watching on YouTube, the podcast that makes lunch hours easier, hail, hail. Liam, welcome to the show. Any comments you wish to make, whatsoever, we're going to be talking about all things Celtic, all things topical. We'll be looking ahead to Thursday night's game against Lille. I'll be asking you your thoughts on Europe this season, Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, also, since you were last on the show, we've played three games. I'll ask you in a nutshell about your thoughts on those three games. And we'll be looking at maybe the press conference from yesterday. Neil Lennon and uh, Lee Griffiths coming out and your thoughts on you know, whether or not there's a wee bit of thunder creeping back into uh, the manager. Hopefully there is. Uh, the financials that have come out, you've had a look at them. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about numbers, I also want to talk about Celtic by numbers. Um, Alan Morrison, who runs a blog and has appeared on this podcast several times, has a look at this season uh, to try and um, bring the numbers out regarding the performances to justify or otherwise the criticism. Uh, and also some Eduard speculation, but when you look at it, is it anything different to what we already know? 
Um, so that's what we're going to be running with today. I'm keeping an eye on the messages coming in and we'll get through as many of them as we possibly can, Colin. First and foremost, uh, give me an update on the last three games. From your perspective, we won't labour the points, but what have you taken from that? Have you seen signs of improvement in the last couple of games? How disappointed were you in team selections and performances? Give us a take on that. Do you know what? I think everyone can agree it's been a it's been a hard week. Um, the, the it kind of started with the, the game against Rangers, and that was quite disappointing for me. Just just because it, it felt as if there wasn't that sort of um, emphasis that we we normally have when we go into games against them, where we we try and come out and we have a go at them. Um, I felt as though we were quite reserved in that game. Um, that we weren't getting the service up to the the striker, um, and we didn't really create I thought we didn't have a single shot on target um, and we, we've kind of talked about that and the, the guests that you've had on have, have done the same and they've went on and uh, mentioned a lot of the, the, the things that probably I would bring up as well but it, it just for me it's it's gotten to lose a game like that you don't want to ever lose a game to Rangers so um, it, it took a while to go over that we moved on then to, to Thursday night and against AC Milan I, I didn't think we would have beat AC Milan. I think AC Milan, although they were ranked third in the seedings, that was unfair to them because they are a fantastic side. You look at the players that they had in that squad, um, not just even up front was Latan, but even at the back, guys like uh, Simon Kyer and Donnarumma and goal, mm-hmm. they're a very good side. Um, I had a feeling though that when we were 2-0 down, if we got a goal we would have got back into that game. And that's exactly what happened. Um, when we came out in the second half, we looked a, a certainly a different team. The The performance level upped. Um, we got the goal and we were certainly pushing on and trying to get that second one. And it was just times like that when we get caught out. It reminded me a lot of the Cluj qualifier mm. uh, last year when we were pushing on for that goal and we left ourselves short at the back. Um, against Aberdeen, it's a, it's a tough place to go. We've managed to make it a bit of a, a fortress for ourselves when we got up there because we, we had won quite a few times up there and um, we, we tend to put in very good performances. Um, three games in a week, there were certain players that looked as if didn't have it in the legs for them that they could do the three games. Um, the team selection was a bit strange. I, I wouldn't have left Scott Brown out for a game like that. Um we, we showed good character to come back uh, twice and then to go in front um, but what we do really need to work on within the team and I think Lennon knows that and I think everybody that's out here can agree on that is it really has to be um, looking at the defence and tightening that defence if we can stop conceding the goals we give ourselves a better chance of winning the games um, and when you look back at each of those games, there's so many defensive errors that we, if we really work on and improve, then it will start relating to our performances. Um, and we're, we're now, what, 10 games into the season, 11 games into the season, we've conceded 10 league goals. Um, the defence still hasn't really put together a, a performance that you'd say has been uh, worthy of them being the back three. Um, we're at a, a difficult period in the season, but I really just hope that we start getting on a run now that can turn it round. There's been a lot of discussion whether Lennon is the right man or not. I said the way back when he was given the job after the treble treble, I didn't think he was the right man for the job. Doesn't mean I don't support the team. Doesn't mean I don't back the team because mm. I do. Um, I, I never want to lose a game as a, a Celtic fan. Doesn't matter who we're playing. I want to win that game. Um, and every time that we do lose, it is, it's... It, it breaks you um, I, I've got friends I know that went into a, a room and didn't come back out for a couple of hours after the Rangers game because it was it, it hurts you've got to go into work through the week you've got to face the Rangers fans that would gloat in your face you've got to fa- you've got to face all that so you never want to be in that position um, and we don't want to get to a stage where Celtic are a, a, an easy target for people to come out and say oh look at what's happening to you guys this season. You don't want to be that. You want to be the best of the best. And I think every fan, whether they want to be pro-Lennon or, or they want to see Lennon go, only want what's best for Celtic Football Club. And as fans, that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. 
We'll go into a lot of the, the comments that are coming in because, again, as well as doing the Celtic Statement Bulletin, Colin, a massive part of that is engaging with Celtic fans and taking as many views as possible. It's all about people with differing views all pulling, hopefully, in the same direction that you've suggested there for the betterment of Celtic. So if I have a view and I've raised a view and people disagree with it, that's fine. You can disagree, you can criticise, uh, but going on to one of the points that's been brought up by Mr Briggs, and it's all about kind of online abuse. Um, Mr Briggs saw the grief you were getting on Twitter, Paul, ignore the haters. They're a type of fans who spend too much time reading blogs about Rangers finances and Castori kits, heads are in the sand. Well, I wouldn't labour the fact, Colin, but obviously there's a lot of abuse uh, being targeted at myself for having a viewpoint on this season and the reasons behind the poor performances. Not one result, as a lot of people say, not two or three results, the entire season as a whole and what has happened to Celtic since last season. Now, I know there isn't a magic switch, particularly with the, the lockdown, the pandemic and everything else, with the long period with no football calling. You, you don't just flick on that switch and you pick it up from where you left off. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we think back to that game against St Mirren, 5 nothing. Griffith scores a hat-trick, you come away, you're playing great football, you're looking at the two strikers, everything's rosy. But that's then. And what I'm looking at is now, and that's why I'm, I'm saying, in terms of the balance, I'm going to be going through some of the the points made by Celtic by numbers in terms of the actual stats and the performance data that he presents um, in relation to how Celtic are playing this season. And I, I feel that we're in a situation at the moment where uh, we have mitigating circumstances and I've gone through all this all week and I'm not going to go through it again, but it's resulted in a huge amount of abuse, which, you know, there was a, a part yesterday where I was being accused of posting things that I didn't post and calling Neil Lennon certain names and all this kind of stuff, which simply wasn't true. That gets to the ridiculous stage. Um, There's no toxic nature uh, to a Celtic state of mind whatsoever, Uh, but I have a view, and I think a lot of people share that view going by some of the other messages that have been um, aired. Just on the point of looking at other teams, Mr Briggs, I I take that point, and I think it's something that Anthony uh, mentioned last Monday on the podcast, Let's concentrate on Celtic and what we're doing or what we're not doing right and let's improve that. I'm all about Celtic. You know, yeah, there's a team challenging us this season and I think it is a real challenge. Could they handle the amount of injuries that Celtic have had this season with illnesses chucked on top? No chance. Absolutely no chance. They don't have the depth of squad, Colin. Um, Will the players coming back into our squad improve the performances and ultimately the results, I hope they do. I mean, I was going through the the team, the predicted team, as I always do, for every mm-hmm. game, Colin, yesterday. And just by having El Hamid back, hopefully he is back, because he's in my team, <laughs> it makes the selection so much easier because the whole shape of the side can change if you decide to play four at the back. And obviously, mm-hmm. I will ask you about that. Um, now, interestingly enough, Liam Kelly, earlier on, had said that uh, the podcast that makes lunch hours easier and MB is admitting that it's the podcast that makes makes breakfast more enjoyable. <laughs> uh, so I hope you enjoyed your long lie, MB. Um, but it's all about uh, Celtic for me, and it's all about progressing, maintaining as well, because at the moment, you know, obviously on Sunday we're playing a Scottish Cup game from last season, Colin. Mm-hmm. That domestic dominance is is unheard of. You know, yes, Celtic have won nine in a row on two occasions in history, but the level of domestic dominance when you look at the trophies that we've won along the way, the trebles that we are accumulating and still are accumulating, if all goes well on Sunday, um, that dream is still alive. This is something that I want to continue, not because, in the words of one of the the commentators uh, yesterday, that I'm an entitled Celtic fan. I'll tell you what I'm entitled to, though, is my opinion. But I'm not an entitled Celtic fan who thinks that we're entitled to win every game and win every trophy. But when you're watching a Celtic side and you can see issues with that Celtic side, surely we're able to comment on that. Surely we can criticise performance, Colin. There's no toxic um, agenda going on at a Celtic state of mind. We are able, like Celtic fans, that we are to criticise the players, the team, the management, those even above Neil Lennon. If you can't criticise... You know, there is no soundboard for any kind of engagement with Celtic supporters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've had it quite a few times on social media and um, other places where I get told, uh, 
you don't remember the 90s. Well, I'm sorry, I was born in 93. I, I don't remember the 90s. But we can't live in the past. We can't live on past glories. We can't live on past failures. We have to look at the team as it is now. And you can only say what you see. And if you're in the camp that says... I don't believe that Neil Lennon's got the ability to take the team forward, then you're well within your rights to see it. And then I'll balance that view, Colin. I'll balance that view. Yeah. You know, and I'll also back up my reasons for saying it. I was accused yesterday of going on a Neil Lennon witch hunt. Nothing has been further from the truth in relation to Neil Lennon and and my views on Neil Lennon. As a player, as a manager first time round, as an interim manager second time round, and when he finally got the job. I showed you a, a screenshot of a message that Mm-hmm. I had sent about my thoughts one week before Neil Lennon got the job permanently, one week before the, the Hearts Cup final, Colin. Mm-hmm. And it only came up um, by luck because the same person messaged me and then I looked back on the conversation. And they asked me, who do I think would be the Celtic manager and if we win the Scottish Cup? And I said, Neil Lennon, but he wouldn't be my choice. And then I said, why um, he wouldn't be my choice and who would be my choice? But what's happened since he became manager, Colin? Have I backed the team? Well, Every single step of the way, I back Neil Lennon. Remember, if we go back to the Finnish Faros game, in the studio that night was yourself, myself, and Kevin Maguire. Yes. And at that point, I turned round and actually became a meme for Rangers fans because I, I quite rightly said that I didn't think Lennon had the capability to, to manage us at that point. Now, in the podcast that came after that, we had to admit that the performances got slightly better. The results, we, we, we won games. And we gave him credit for that and the way that he managed and brought in some of the players that he brought in this summer. Now, it's been a really hard week, right? There's no getting away from the fact it's been a really hard week. But the way that Neil Lennon came out yesterday suggests that he's already moved on from that week. And the comments that he said, uh, some of them I can't agree with. He says he doesn't know in any reason why that it would be possible for people to be talking about him potentially losing his job. I'm sorry, but some of the performances this season have gave people that opinion. Rightly or wrongly, they've given people that opinion. So you can't say that there's there's no reason out there why he could potentially be up for um, losing his job. That's basically saying you're untouchable. Yeah. At this stage. But... I don't think anyone is. What, what I want f- to see from him is that sort of thunder, that attack. Because when I watch him in the dugout, he just sits there half the time, arms folded. And it was a point that you touched on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It isn't just the camera crew cutting to him every time he's doing that. It just seems as though that is the way he is this season. I want to see that passion, that thunder. When Neil Lennon took over as temporary manager when Brendan Rodgers left, we played Dundee at Dens Park. And we scored in the last minute. And he sprinted down the touchline mm. to the Celtic fans to celebrate with them. Neil Lennon's a Celtic fan, right? He's a, he's a Celtic man. And everybody that's a Celtic fan gets that backing from the Celtic support. For me, all I want to, to see from him is for him to bring that thunder and bring that encouragement and that enthusiasm, get it into the dressing room and get the players to be as enthusiastic and the, the will and desire for the team and the will and desire to... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. 
Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc. One to come back into this squad because we are missing it at the moment. Now, we will have a look, obviously, at uh, Thursday night. Colin, your thoughts on Europe this season, your thoughts on the, the possible lineup, what we need to do to try and get that thunder back, as you say, the famous uh, speech that Lenny gave us back in the day. Now, Stephen Forbes is asking for our thoughts on Neil Lennon's comments, uh, and particularly if things start to deteriorate rapidly, I'll hold my hands up and say this isn't working. We need to look at something else. But at the moment, we're nowhere near that. No. Uh, and you're you're disagreeing with that? No, I mean the, there is there has been points this season where um, the performances aren't of the standard of a, a Celtic team, especially with the the sort of money that um, we've spent on the team. When you look at the finances this season, I think we've spent over twenty million on the team. We spent twenty million the season before as well. You want to see us getting to the point where we we should be ahead of everything else in Scottish football. Um, but the, the performances just haven't shown that this season. What I did do actually, Paul, was I took a look at this because I felt as if we've maybe played this season before. You know that way you just kind of get that deja vu feeling. That's what happens when you win nine league titles in a row. Um, and I took a look back and it kind of reminded me of the 2011-12 season. Right. Um, where Celtic won the, the first of the, the nine. Um, and after 11 games in that season, we had 22 points. We'd scored 23 goals and conceded 12. This season we're on 26 points, having scored 28 and conceded 10. We won 7 that season, we've won 8 this season. Um, we'd drawn 1, which was the 3 each game with Kilmarnock. We've drawn 2 this season. And we've, we'd lost 3 that season. We've only lost the 1 this year to Rangers. Now, when you look at some of the players that were the key players back then, we're looking at Gary Hooper, Anthony Stokes, Charlie Mulgrew, Ki Sung Young, James Forrest, who was still there, um, Joe Ledley, guys like that. When you look at who the top scorer was after um, 11 games, it was Anthony Stokes with five goals. Mm. If we look at who's our top goal scorer this season, it's Albin Ayeti with five goals. Gary Hooper was your top talisman back then. You only had four. Edwards, our top talisman now, he's only got four. There's a lot of similarities that come back to that season. Daniel Mustorovic came in on a, a free transfer. The defence was very shaky back then. We've seen it when we went to, to Rugby Park. Some of the goals we conceded that day were absolutely horrendous. Mm. That The second goal in, um, against Aberdeen the other day was horrendous as well. Uh, Shane Duffy should just clear that ball out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there is a lot of similarities there um, in that season. But that game against Rugby Park, when you listen to the interview and um, what Neil Lennon says in the dressing room, he tells them that he's going to lose his job. Now he's came out yesterday and says, I don't see any reason why I would be losing my job. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not completely similar, but there is a lot of kind of similarities between the two seasons. And... If we look back at how we went on from there in the 27 games after that, we won 23, drew two and lost two. And the two, one of the losses came after um, the league had already been wrapped up at Rugby Park. All we want from this squad is to find that spark that kicks them on. Because when you look at the squad and you look at who you've got, then there is the potential to beat every single team in the league. No, I, th- I agree with that. I, I rate the squad highly. I think we've got the depth, Colin. We've got the quality. And the issue that I've got is there was a moment, obviously, in that season where things turned round. Mm-hmm. There was a moment last season where, you know, ultimately things turned round uh, after the defeat against Rangers. And this season round, um, you're thinking that, well, there's been a couple of moments where you're expecting, right, this is going to turn around, this is going to click into place. What's the game plan? I keep asking people the same questions. What is the game plan? What's the three games you've been impressed with this season? You know, who's improved this season on last? These are difficult um, to answer at times. But we will go through some of the the points that are, are being made via Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube because some of the points being made are brilliant. And Liam Kelly uh, was glad that Lenny came out fighting in the press conference, but hope that filters down to the team and also him on the touchline. Now, I'm not asking for 
Lenny to be screaming and shouting and bawling on the touchline but it's like sometimes the reactions after a goal is that you would maybe celebrate that you would maybe feel a sense of relief over that uh, but nothing absolutely nothing just you know no emotion whatsoever Uh, everybody deals with it differently but I think over the years we've got to know Neil Lennon's normal demeanour and it it seems to be different uh, this season what I take a you know totally uh, offence to is you know getting told by people who haven't paid into a football game since they started their journalistic career saying that Celtic fans feel entitled to do things and entitled to, to win things but we are entitled to an opinion Colin whereas these people obviously get paid for their opinion and they're, they're mocking Celtic fans um, I think the comments for Lennon to go were described as erratic by someone who runs a site who two weeks ago had Charlie Adam on it uh, talking about uh, you know behind the scenes issues uh, in relation to Iron Beaton, that was fairly erratic. You know to come out with any kind of claims, um, unfounded claims at that. So I don't think it's erratic to start looking at performance of the team or the manager. Um, but what I am hoping for again, I'm going to ask you about Thursday night because a lot of Celtic fans I've been speaking to or or hearing uh, online uh, the comments coming through is that to forget about Europe. And I, I just can't accept that for a few reasons. That night, uh, that game on Thursday night might be the game that I'm talking about. That might be the pivotal game. Your Kilmarnock in 2012 or your Rangers last season. This might be the game where everything turns around and mm-hmm. we start seeing a fluidity to the play. A belief that we can turn a game around when it's not going well because I've never seen that yet. This season against Rangers at any point, did you believe that we could turn it around? Did you believe that changes could be made? that would actually pull us back in. Now, going back to a point that Lauren said yesterday, Colin, and a few people criticised them for it, the improvement i seen against AC Milan was that when we pulled it back to 2-1, we were on for a 2-2 at that point. We yeah. were actually the team who were pushing to equalise, and then obviously the sucker punch at the end made the result seem almost like a walkover. And I know that AC Milan had taken some players off and they were trying to manage the game out, and Celtic maybe stepped up a gear as Milan stepped down one. And that might have been a part of it. So I did see a response uh, against AC Milan. And then you go into Aberdeen, you're thinking, let's build on that. But then the Aberdeen thing, again, it was almost as if we've got the handbrake on in a steep hill and we're trying to get started again. And we're 3-2 up and we can't manage that game out. Yeah. You know, people say, "What well, you, you can't legislate for individual errors. No, you can't, but it's the same individual brilliance that wins your games. So you can't take it away from the manager on, on, with one hand and give it back on the other. The manager is responsible ultimately for the way we, we shape up. And I'm going to ask you about Thursday night, A, how important is Europe this season to you as a fan? And, and then B, how do we shape up against Lille on Thursday night? I just want to touch on something you mentioned about the Aberdeen game. Um, I think that was one of our, our issues in that game was the game management. Um, we were talking about bringing on substitutions uh, and when you're kind of three two up, you look at the bench and you've got guys like Sorrow and, and Welsh, um, who are more defensive minded players. When you're maybe trying to see out a three two game and you've got the opportunity to bring five subs on, they should potentially be some of the players that you bring on to sort of shore up the defence. Whether you go to five at the back or whether you put five in midfield or whatever it is, um, but you, you can't let the, the team be overrun the way Scott Wright ran through that midfield someone should have taken them out near the halfway line to stop them getting anywhere near the box before the ball comes across so we do have to work on our game management in that sense that also kind of goes back to the AC Milan game as well we're pushing for the goal and then we leave ourselves open at the back so game management is something we do need to work on Thursday night what I really want to see from the team on Thursday night is a bit more defensive shape I want to see us not conceding sloppy goals because we've we've conceded quite a few sloppy goals the two goals against Rangers were very very sloppy um, the, the first one against AC Milan and the third one as well um, I just want to see is put together a performance where um, whoever's playing at the back offers a bit more solidity um, because we, we want to kind of get that solid defence going to make us hard to beat and then we take it up and we, we look on the strikers to get the goals. You know the thing on that point there, um, talking about the defence, because it's been a massive issue this season, Colin. Everybody's crying out for a new centre-half. Now at that time, our centre uh, central um, half positions were filled by Ayer and Julien. 
Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the partnership that we had. Everybody's crying out for a new centre half. We go out and we bring in Shane Duffy, which was a popular a popular signing. Now, Julian's been out injured. Duffy's not been playing so well. Everybody's crying out for Julian to come back in. So we're actually going back to a point where we've got a partnership there that no one was happy with. So I just think there is... We're continually told about this hysteria. Everything's going to be all right once the players come back. Well, let's look at Julian. Because we had Julian in there, right? Mm-hmm. In the centre-half position. As a first pick with Ayer. And we weren't happy with that. And after the Kilmarnock game, Ayer gets dropped. But we needed a centre-half. There was a desperation. Let's get a centre-half. And we brought, we brought one in. Republic Island captain, no less. He comes in to shore up the defence. Julian's out. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about once Julian comes back in, the defence is going to be solid. But we've seen the defence wasn't solid when Julian was in there with Ayer. The same goes for Eduard, a player who is without doubt the most talented footballer in Scottish football. But this season, he hasn't been his usual self. I, I don't think anybody is going to argue the case that Eduard's been at his best this season, Colin, right? No. So we're desperate to get him back. Of course we are. But I think we're thinking back to the Edward who linked up with Griffiths last season. Mm-hmm. We're certainly not thinking about the Edward who we've seen so far this season. So he comes back, but he played in a lot of the, the poor, poor performances that we have seen this season, leading up to, obviously, the Rangers game that he missed. So we were dreadfully poor in the, the two 1-0 games in Europe. He played in both games. He played in the Dundee United game, got kicked all over the park. That was a poor performance. So we're bringing players back. Of course, they're going to make things easier for Neil Lennon when he's selecting a side. But they weren't in great form before they went out. No, no, definitely not. Um, as you said, if you ask someone to to mention three great games that we've had this season, you you'd struggle. Full games certainly. Uh, I mean, one of our our kind of highest scoring performances is a five 0 game against Ross County. Mm-hmm. But Ross County could have had two or three goals in that game as well. It could have been one of those five fours that we we've seen down in the English Premier League. Yeah. So. We, we do struggle in that sense to, to get a, a three or a five or a four, whatever we're playing, to get it so, sort of like that is the, the team that we go with. If I have the chance here just to mention that when you look at the Rangers side at the minute, when they're swapping players in and out, they're swapping like for like, they're keeping their formation, they know what's working for them. At the minute, I don't think Lennon knows what's working for him. You see the, the changes are happening even in the middle of games. The AC Milan game, we went from three at the back to four at the back. That worked. We tried four at the back at the weekend. Didn't quite work. So I don't think Lennon's got that tied down to what he, he wants to play. But again, does that come down to some of the players that we've got? If you're playing four at the back, I wouldn't have Frimpong as your right back because he's very much an attack-minded player. We've seen that where the defenders get pulled out of position because Frimpong's so far up the park. It leaves gaps in the middle um, and the other teams are exploiting on it. So who would you play there? Is El Hamid the guy to play at right back and Frimpong goes further forward? We are missing James Forrest at the moment. Can Frimpong offer the same service as James Forrest? I think personally Frimpong's been slightly poor over the last few games. I don't know what you make of that. Well, on that point, I think it's maybe a good time actually to look at the, the, the lineup that I would suggest for Thursday night. And um, it's taken a lot of these points into consideration, Colin, because I would start uh, normally, ordinarily, even though he's been getting criticism, I would normally start with Barkas, but I believe he's out. So you're going to have to start with Scott Bain. Yep. And goals. At right back, I would hopefully be able to uh, play with El Hamid at right back. If he is fit and available, which I think he will be on Thursday night. On the left, I would play Taylor. I would play Greg Taylor, uh, the much maligned Greg Taylor. If you're playing at a back four for me, yeah, you can have uh, full-backs who are overlapping, but I don't think you play wing-backs at full-back. And I think that's what Laxalt and Frimpong give you. Mm-hmm. They're further up the park for me. And then your two centre-halves are still Ayer and Duffy. Now, Duffy hasn't become a bad player overnight. He's had a few poor games. And I think that we have no other option at this moment in time than to play him because... If you don't, then you're maybe playing El Hamid at centre-half, Ayer at right-back, which a lot of people are, um, are, are suggesting. Your other right-back option is Anthony Ralston, who sat on the bench a couple of times this season. So no, for me, your, your back four is to have right-back, El Hamid, left-back, Taylor, and your two centre-halves, Duffy and Ayer. It's funny you say that, but who is the other options there? It is only Ayer or Duffy at the minute, isn't it? But well, Julian, unless you play Welsh. Well, Julian's out injured. Welsh, um, I think 
he's going to be a player that we can probably rely upon for certain games in the season. Um, I, I kind of think Welsh is a bit like Darren O'Day, where he can come in and play here and there, but you wouldn't play him every single week. Um, and certainly there'll, there'll be times where he'll be caught out because he's not really played a lot of first-team football. He went down to Morton on loan last season and he was playing at right-back. And he's played, what is it, three or four times now for us. Mm. So he's only played four technically no. professional football games. Yep. So it's a lot to, to ask of the, the, of the boy. So you're right, it's Iron Duffy. That's the only kind it's of options you've got. And all you can hope is that they can put their performances behind them. As you say, Dyer's been certainly better over the last few weeks. Duffy's not. Um, so I, I kind of hope that eventually they'll click and we'll, we'll, we'll keep a clean sheet that's, that's, that's all I'm looking for well that would be good because obviously you do that you're going to have a positive result yeah so the question of like Salt and Frimpong I'd still play them but I'd play them along um, much much higher up the pitch with Christie in the middle so they're, they're my three behind James McGregor and Brown and then one up top at this moment in time would be Lee Griffiths so, now that's because I was disappointed with Ayeti. I don't think Ayeti can play it. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Front as a lone striker. Right, so I'm just trying to work this out. So you're playing 4-2-3-1. Yep. And you have been in goal. We've got Elhamid right back, uh, Ayer Duffy, Taylor, yep. Brown McGregor, mm-hmm. Frimpong, Christie, Laxalt, Griff. Yes, that's my team. That's my team for Thursday night. It's interesting. Um, now, I think you've got the four at the back, so although there's a lot of attacking options up there, and you would still be expecting Laxalt and Frimpong to be uh, tracking back, for me, you know, you need a right back and a left back, and I think that's what you get with Taylor and El Hamid I, I mean I've said before Frimpong offensively you know I, I'm going to take what you've said there and say yeah he's not that complete player that, that Forrest is and people say Forrest isn't a complete player I mean I tell you what I'd like to have Forrest on Thursday night you know but he's obviously long term injured but I, I still think Frimpong has performed well in Europe this season Colin I think he's still a player who's a good out ball uh, and I think that when Christie's playing he can feed Laxalt and Frimpong. He's very good at that. It gives us balance to have Laxalt yeah. and Frimpong in that position. The only criticism I've got with Frimpong at the moment is he's still developing to the point where his final ball is really lacking. Um, there was times against AC Milan where he had the left-back in his back pocket. He, he was the getting, Yeah, he was getting on. down, yep. but his final ball let us down time and time again. Um, and I'm sure... As a player, again, I think he's only maybe played about 25, 30 professional football games. So that will come in time. But it is, it is a problem for us at the minute because we're relying on him to create all that service for us. Um, again, we don't have many options out there. Let's, no, we don't. You know, if you look at the fact Forrest is out, Karamoko Dembele started off uh, as a backup. He was on the bench. He's out of the picture at the moment. So we don't have many options out wide right. I mentioned before, Klamala's played a few games wide right um, and James had mentioned that as well again yeah nowhere near the team for me at this moment no. in times particularly on that on that position but that is how thin thinly covered we are in some positions when you're looking at a right back Colin if you don't have El, El Hamid your recognised right back is Tony Ralston mm-hmm. you're then looking to play Ayer out of position if you play him at right back I know that he's filled the position a few yeah. times Frimpong is he a right back I've not seen it yet I really haven't and I think when you're talking about going to four at the back against Aberdeen that would be my criticism like Salt and Frimpong were playing like you know wing backs and it did expose um, the centre halves time and time again there was many occasions where they broke away and at no point did Frimpong get get back into position at no point Mm -hmm. before the ball was either uh, knocked out of play or um, you know so or cleared so I don't think we have many options down that right hand hand side at the moment if you bring someone like Hamid back in it's a massive boost for Thursday night yeah the, the thing the thing we all, with Hamid as well is um, when we look at some of his crosses into the box he, he put the crossover for um, Lee Griffiths uh, away at St Johnston mm-hmm. um, he does 
have that ability to go forward but he's very very comfortable in his own half where we might be for a lot of this game against Leo because they're no mugs they're a fantastic side um, they're, I think they're top of the table at the minute in the, the French league um, we, we might be doing a lot of defending this game um, so if Frimpong's kind of left one on one with whoever's going to be playing on their left then it yeah, I think I'd probably rather have El Hamid because he's got that defensive sort of um, the natural defensive capability, whereas Frimpong's more naturally a forward player. Definitely. Um, I, I just I wouldn't go near Anthony Ralston at the minute, not for <laughs> not for a game like this. Um, ne- neither would I. But that is at the moment, if you take away El Hamid, our only recognised right back. Um, can you tell me your predicted team for tomorrow night? I would go with. Well, obviously we have to go with Bain and go. Um, I would like to see El Hamid in as well at right back. What is the situation when you're beat on at the moment? Now, there was mention that he wouldn't be back for Thursday night's game. Um, Edouard perhaps will make the bench uh, with El Hamid being the most likely to return. Mm. See, I think we, we do miss Beton's common influence in that team. Um, when we played the the three five two and Beton was one of the the, the three centre halves, he if, was. If he was fit, would you play three at the back? I wouldn't night? play three at the back, but no. I'd be half tempted to have him in centre half. And then you talking Ayer right back? No, I would have Ayer and Beton as my two defenders and drop Duffy and drop Duffy. Would you? Do you think that's what Duffy needs at this moment? No, I think so. Can he play through this? Uh, like when you look at Shane Duffy. Um, he has he's got that leadership skill but he's not shown it yet I don't know why because he's the captain of the Republic Ireland when you look at his performances for the Republic Ireland he's thrown himself into everything left right and centre um, but he just hasn't shown that yet for us and I think Beton has been very reliable for us Um He's not a natural central defender, but he does step into that role very well. He played very well for Israel in that position as well. So, I mean, it's another option that's there. Um, If Duffy isn't on form, you need someone that's going to come in and push him for a place. So it's Julian or Beton, and Beton's probably closest back to fitness. But if Beton's unavailable, it will be Ayer and uh, Julian. I I don't know. Duffy. Julian. Sorry, yeah. uh, Duffy and Ayer. Um, left back, I don't, I don't really know. Laxalt's not put a foot wrong since he came in. No. Um, and I think he has got something different to Frimpong where he is quite comfortable defending as well as going forward. So I would probably put him at left back. Um, I know you've got Greg Taylor in there, but I would have Laxalt at left back. Mm. Um, in the middle of the park, I would have Brown and McGregor. Um, Callum McGregor's coming up for a bit of criticism at the minute but I think what you don't see about Callum McGregor's performances is um, what he does off the ball and how he kind of controls the the game there Um, he gets a lot of uh, stick because he's he's not really doing much but that's only because it's what you're seeing on the camera if you were at the game and you're watching it you'd see the difference that McGregor can make and he certainly he Played well uh, to get the goal on Sunday. So I'd have Brown and McGregor in there. Can I ask you, just whilst you're in full flow, I'm going to ask you about McGregor. Are you happy with where he is playing at the moment in a, in a deeper role? Do you think his effectiveness going forward is something that from time to time we would benefit from? I mean, there's a lot of these games where we've, um, you know, underwhelmed and we're looking for a creative force up front and we've seen McGregor doing that time and time again. We're not seeing it as often this season. No, we're not, but you just see, I mean, some of the times that he has actually made um, the chance to go forward. Um, I'm thinking about his goal at home to Motherwell, the goal at the weekend. Um, he has got that capability going forward to be that number 10. He does it for Scotland as well. Um, but we, who else then plays in that role? Because we've had so many people come out and say, and Cham's been poor this season, but he steps up for the European games. So do you play Browning and Cham in there or do you play Brown and McGregor? We've both gone for Brown and McGregor, right? Yeah. Do, you, do you think Neil Lennon will? Because obviously he kept his place against Aberdeen, did then Cham. So do you think he's done enough or will he be dropped for Thursday night? But I don't know what Neil Lennon's thoughts are on Cham because it seems to change quite quite often. 
when you look at pre-season and Cham was the captain for the B team when you bought the B team on in the second half he mm-hmm. was the, the man that was there there was guys getting games ahead of him that are now not in the squad so I, I don't know what it is with Cham I mean I think personally he's a fantastic player I think there's a, a lot of talent in there um, and his problem this season has been his consistency I don't think his consistency has been there mm. but I, I just know you will get a performance out of Brown and McGregor so for that reason that's why I would have them two in the side Were you surprised Brown was dropped for Pataudry? I was yep. um, as much as he's not got the uh, he's not shown the performances week after week this season he's still got that influence on the park and you can see when he's on the park that the players do tend to play a bit better um, when we look at the, the game I think it was the St Johnston game when he came off the bench everyone seemed to up their game 10% yeah. so uh, that's that's kind of why I'd probably say Brown would start that game wide right I would go Ryan Christie um, I think Ryan Christie is effectual on either wing left or right I'm not so sure about his position as a 10 um, I don't know if he can really play in that position I, I like him out on the wide I think he puts a, a good ball in um, not so much at corners but when he's putting a cross in he's, he's pretty decent in the, the centre of that I would go with Tom Rogic I think Tom Rogic is certainly starting to make his way back to some of his, his better performances um, not quite there yet um, I know people come in and say I didn't think he was good at the weekend but I thought a lot of what was good about Celtic came through Tom Rogic two assists yeah so when you've got someone like that mm-hmm. um, keep giving him the ball and see what he can do uh, left midfield I'd probably still go with Elanoussi I know he's not been at his best this season um, but he is a natural left footed player he plays out on the left hand side I think he can get a good partnership built up with Lassault um, where maybe Lassault does the, the overlapping run and uh, Elanoussi cuts inside or they kind of they switch over Elanoussi also offers a bit more of a defensive option as well um, so I would go with him and I would go with Lee Griffiths up front Right so what's your reasoning for the, the striker? We've got three fit I think Edward might at the very most make the bench. We've got three fit strikers. Why are you going for for Griff? I would go for Griff because he's the one that's there that comes across to me as a natural lone striker. Um, he's someone when you look at when he scored forty goals for Celtic uh, in the one season, he was the he was the number one striker. He was the only striker that was up there. He was getting the service, he makes the runs for himself, he gets in behind and he takes the shots on. You look at the goal at the weekend, kind of came out of nothing, cuts back, puts it into the top bag. I couldn't see someone like Albin Ayeti or Patrick Clamalla doing that. Um, some say he's not fit, some say he's just not been given a chance. When he has been on the park, he's, he's certainly made a difference. Um, I see Ayeti as a two I'd see him up front alongside well, someone. I thought you meant right back. No, no. <laughs> um, alongside someone. I'd like to see the partnership with him and Edward eventually. Um, but when you're going with the one up front, you want somebody that's going to run themselves into the ground, that's going to give you everything for 90 minutes, I would go with Lee Griffiths. What was your thoughts yesterday on his press conference? He seemed pretty focused. It's good to see him back in that scenario. I mean, to me it suggests that he's in a good space at the minute. Um, that he can go out and he can face the press and that he can um, get himself into that sort of mind frame that his concentrations are on what's happening on the park and that's exactly what I want to see from Lee Griffiths. Now Mark O'Donnell, good afternoon lads and good afternoon to you Mark. You're commenting on YouTube if you are watching on the channel, please subscribe to that. It's all free, that was another thing that uh, we need to underline, everything we do is free. Uh, keep up the good work it's good to have spirited and honest debate we have to get behind Lenny and the players they seem to be getting a siege mentality no bad thing what do you think of the siege mentality is that what Neil Lennon's good at does he come back fighting when he's had this level of criticism we, we need to see don't we I mean ok uh, the, the second half against Aberdeen was far better than the first half so you could say that's that's a bit of siege mentality that we're going out to win but um, we're still lacking at the back. We're still we still need to 
we need to be hard to beat. See, when you look at Scotland's performances over the last few months, you look at some of the players that's playing in there, Andrew Considine and Declan Gallagher. I know. They're, they're not great defenders, but the way that Steve Clark set them up, Scotland are becoming harder and harder to beat. Celtic need to do that as well, because they know that when they've got the ball up front, um, it's not someone like Ollie McBurney up there that's chasing it. We've got guys that are actual footballers that are up there that can chase it and can put the ball in the back of the net. So if you stop the goals going in at one end, it makes it easier for us to get up there and to get the goals in. We seem kind of top-heavy just now with regards to the, the players because when you're getting up to that centre-forward position, like I says to you, we've got three options, potentially a fourth. Uh, when you're looking at, you know, who do you play on the left, you're talking about El Yunusi, I'm picking in like so. So you've got options. It's when we get to the back at the moment, Colin. Even with everybody fit, we're still lacking at right back, we're still lacking at left back. You know, Julien is a more long-term absentee. So then you're looking at, right, we're looking for El Hamid and Beton to come back. Beton is an adapted centre-half. There's a suggestion here from Dominic Boyle, and it's not the first time I've heard this. Uh, I would love to see Ayer in sitting midfield. I spoke in a previous podcast about that um, to Stephen Mullen, who's been involved in football mm-hmm. and management and playing football. Um, he doesn't reckon Ayer would be as effective. I think since Duffy's come in, in actual fact, you were talking about the influence of Duffy, the leadership qualities of Duffy. I think he has assisted Ayer in many ways. I think Ayer's performances have improved. You were also talking about throwing himself in front of things. Duffy tended to do that in his first few games. Mm-hmm. I just think that the games have caught up with him a wee bit, Colin. We don't have the luxury of dropping him. I don't even know if that'd be the best uh, action to take with, with someone like Duffy in this position. Can he play through it? A lot of players need the games to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a dip in form. Some others get dropped and then you know that gives them the spark that they need. So I think Ayer, for me, from what I've seen and I've heard him suggested in that position, I can see why because he's a player who can uh, take the ball, uh, you can dribble, he can pass. I still think he's a centre half all day long. It's interesting, Ryer, because he certainly made his way back through the park as his career's developed. Um, he was a striker at one point, mm. um, and you could see how he was maybe a, a striker because you look at the goals against Motherwell and against Aberdeen, great finishes. I think at Kilmarnock, he was played in a defensive midfield role when he went out on loan there, um, and now he's kind of naturally fit into the centre half um, position. I still think you can see bits of his previous life um, out there because the way he throws himself into tackles he, he kind of slides in not knowing that he's maybe the last line of defence so that if that guy gets by him he's basically one on one with the goalkeeper I was um, impressed with him against AC Milan Colin sorry to uh, interject there yeah no I thought he had a good game against AC Milan but uh, when you've got an interest from a team like AC Milan you're going to try and show them um, what they're going to be signing so I, I expected them to have a good game against AC Milan and do you think it was an audition? Uh, Almost is, but isn't it? I mean, you look at some of the games, Europe is an audition for a lot of these players. You think of the, the, the player, the coaches and the teams that will be watching the guys when they're coming up against AC Milan. They, it is an addition for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if Edward scores three goals against AC Milan, somebody's going to be watching that and pick up on them. It's the same way that we've picked up on potential targets that we've, we've kind of looked at over the last few years. Shauna Wiesman, uh, who was at Wolfsburg last season he was scoring all the goals in the Europa League that's what got him out there and in there into mm. the, the people's like, mindsets so these games are sort of like additions for players because we're not going to keep them forever Now there's a few suggestions uh, about Thursday night's game Colin coming through and we have Terry Tibbs you're commenting on YouTube and Terry thinks that Celtic will win never underestimate a wounded animal I think that goes back to the siege mentality doesn't it Colin yeah. when people react due to the criticism now Gary Doonan always welcome to see you Gary uh, commenting on Facebook uh, Gary reckons that Leo like AC Milan will be a difficult tie whether we are flying or not absolutely agree with that I mean you mentioned earlier on not conceding a goal Colin, that means you come away with something that would be yeah. phenomenal to go over there and come back even with a 0-0 or 1-1 uh, it would be a very good result and uh, you know, going back to Edmund Byrne who hopes that we can turn in a Lazio type performance against Lille, Lennon has been very unlucky with player availability this season and the players that have played have underperformed, so Edmund is harking back to a game that you were at last season Colin, um, in Italy do you think the, the team and Lenny have it in them tomorrow night 
to pull something out of the bag like that? I would be surprised if they do. Um, I'd be absolutely delighted if they do as well. Um, I'd be delighted to come away if we beat Lille tomorrow night. Um, I don't see it happening, but then I didn't see us beating Lazio home and away, so it's it's just kind of one of these things that anything could happen. Um, all I want to see is a better performance and get ourselves into a state of mind where we go into the game on Sunday against Aberdeen um, a bit more confident, a bit more self-belief about the team um, and, and have a go and actually just win a game. Now Gary comes back in just to um, confirm that Ayer actually played at centre-back for Kilmarnock when he was out there. He played a, a, a good number of games out there. I think it was a massive part of his development, Colin. When you think of Ayer going out and developing within the Scottish game at Kilmarnock mm-hmm. and Christie doing the same um, at Aberdeen also. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to throw this one in, right? Because uh, although I don't agree with the suggestion uh, of Johan Mialbe returning as a defensive coach, I have heard... Uh, suggestions about defensive coaches, Colin, and whether or not that's the answer um, to Celtic's problems at the moment. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, we spoke about specific coaches at the beginning of the season. You were talking about keeping Craig Gordon in a coaching capacity mm-hmm. back then. You obviously went away um, and rejoined Hearts at that point. So what's your thoughts on bringing in a specialised coach? If you've got a bit of an issue up front or in defence, you bring in a specialist coach. What's you know what you, what's your thinking there? I mean, to bring in a specialist coach, coach would would mean that Lennon would need to admit that there's a problem there first, and I don't think he, he's quite at that stage that he thinks there is a problem there. I mean, he came out and said that Duffy was fantastic in the first half against Aberdeen. I didn't really see that. Maybe we are kind of seeing a different game to what he's seeing. I, st- I do think though there should be someone that is in that position um, to kind of guide the team through. When you look at it, John Kennedy is often related to be the defensive coach. I don't know if that comes from when they're doing the warm-ups, he's the one that's left with the sort of back three, back four, back five, whatever it is. Um, when they throw the ball up in the air and they head it out and they do the clearances and stuff like that, I don't know if that's where that's came from or if it's because he's a centre-half himself. Um just because you're a centre-half, just because you're a, a goalkeeper, just because you're a striker doesn't mean that you're a coach for that position when I mentioned about maybe having Craig Gordon in um, it was because I see him as being quite a a football intellect I think he's got the ability he will go on and be a coach at Hearts I think he is a coach at Hearts um, as part of his contract so he's someone that's going to go on and make a career out of it I think if we do bring in a coach um, Johan Mialbe wouldn't be a bad shout Um, he seemed to work well the last time that he was here so it may be worth a go well, you know, it's one of these things that I was talking about attacking coaches when we were looking at the lack of strikers that we were producing as a football club, Colin, and what I meant by that is through the youth ranks, you know, there's been very few, there's actually been very few goalies as well, you could probably say centre-halves, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously Welsh is coming through, which is great, but, um, you know, Kevin Graham comes in to say Liverpool have a throw-in coach. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. They've got a throwing coach. Yeah. We we need one of those and a corner coach. Are you on the wind up, Kev? No, I, I I agree with Kevin here. A corner coach and a throwing coach. See, see, when you look at Celtic when they get a, a throwing, it's always there's someone like the fullback always takes it. But then you'd need an extra coach to take all these coaches to the games, mate. <laughs> it's like Man City; they've got two coaches going to every game. So is Celtic. Celtic's got two coaches Who's going to every game. Coach. I don't know if you've seen when they left the, the video of them leaving the Dakota Hotel ahead of the Rangers game. There was two coaches. Is that right? So, well, there you go. Um, we've not got a room, Kevin, on that setting coach for a throwing coach <laughs> or, or a corner coach, indeed. I just thought surely that is, uh, you know, part of the coach's responsibility. Well, see, when you look at the coach... I mean, that's getting pretty specific. See, when you look at the throw-ins, mm. we struggle to keep the ball from a throw-in, and we have done for quite a long period of time. Um... We always seem to let the team get back in and settle instead of just taking it quick and moving on. Um, I always remember watching uh, a bit of Soccer AM and Jimmy Bullard was talking about that and he's saying if you take the throw in, you're the closest ball, to, you're the closest person to the ball. You take the throw in, you don't give it to the the fullback who's going to take it off you because you can then play the one two with the fullback and you've got away from that defender that's marking you. Mm. 
we slow the game down from throw-ins. I just find it remarkable that that can't be coached by a coach. You know, there's such a, a specific need for that message, Colin. Uh, Gary Doonan, just because Liverpool have got it, doesn't mean to say it's going to filter into the Scottish <laughs> game. Uh, just to confirm... John Kennedy isn't a defensive coach. Um, if he was, surely he did not too bad a job with Virgil van Dijk, Denier, KT and converting Beaton. Interesting point, Gary. I mean, you know, it's not all been bad in the, in the realms of the defence. But yes, John Kennedy certainly is not specifically uh, coaching the defence. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't think he is the defensive coach. I think a lot of people have that idea that he is the defensive coach. But what I don't about think a coach to coach the coaches? Says Billy Boy 32. That we're getting into the range of that, Billy, aren't we? <laughs> That's just a tongue a twister. I'm not coach. even going to start that. Dearie me. I mean, right, there's a few other things uh, to cover as well. Now, there were some comments came out yesterday in relation to Odson Edward. Now, Odson Edwards obviously is Celtic's star man, Colin. Uh, we're looking at him for some inspiration when he comes back from his illness. Uh, I think when his illness was announced. You probably try to make light of it, Colin, at the time. It's a non-story. He's still out, unfortunately, and we've lost a wee bit of ground in the meantime. But these things happen. I won't hold that against you. Uh, we're hoping he comes back, and when he does, we're hoping we see the Eddie of old, because the guy's a special talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you think he's better up top on his own or as part of two. We saw a very good um, partnership with Lee Griffiths developing last season. And we've seen some signs that he might be able to craft something with a Yeti as well. Uh, but comments yesterday would suggest obviously he's looking at his next move. We knew that anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean... I wasn't too excited about anything he said. No. Um, when you look at the the players that we're bringing in, we brought in Edward for that reason. We, we, gave, him, we gave him a platform um, so that he could make his next move. He wasn't at the stage yet that he would move on to um, a big team, but at Celtic he was allowed to improve his development to put himself out there in the market and we know that's just the case that's how it goes after a couple of years then these players move on we're not expecting them to be here for 5, 10, 15 years that that kind of player just isn't there anymore for Celtic when they're looking to bring players on and sell them on at a, a kind of higher level Kevin Graham that's why Liverpool are the current champions of the world because they've got a throwing coach they could be doing with a defensive coach at the minute I think they've down to one defender after Fabinho's injury, injury last night I've seen that I've seen that this morning so yes we do have uh, some speculation around Eddie but you know that's, that's par for the course when you've got a player like Eduard who everybody knows came to the club uh, with a view of developing and moving on doesn't always happen he might not have developed but he has and he's a very very special talent definitely as Odson Eduard I think when we look at last season and we look at the, the difference uh, maybe first half to second half and there'll be stat, statos out there who could give us the figures there was a, there was a definite uh, improvement in the second half of the season Colin, a big part of that was the return of someone to give Eddie some backup because he had been carrying the can himself for a, yeah. a large part of the, the start of the season um, seemed a wee bit sluggish at times this season now here we go because people might say I'm backtracking here if Eduard comes back he could be the guy to turn this whole thing on its head in terms of Celtic getting back to winning ways first and foremost and the whole uh, tempo of of the play improving we've got like Salt there I think we're both and most people have been impressed with his performances albeit he's not been on a winning side yet unfortunately uh, but I think he gives you the balance that we were kind of sh- crying out for mm-hmm. with Frimpong I know you're playing him at left back on yeah. Thursday night Taylor I think if he can concentrate on being a left back he plays there and if we're going to go away to Lille and try and get a result, we need to be tight at the back, which has been a criticism of our play in recent weeks. But what was interesting was that Alan Morrison, who runs the Celtic by Numbers blog, sent a report through to us last night, didn't he? And it was looking at whether or not we really were as bad as some fans, myself included, are making out. And he reckons we're not, based on the stats. This season, he reckons we've actually improved. So please, everybody, have a look at that Celtic by Numbers blog. You can find them on Twitter. And he breaks down the stats. He breaks down the performance stats, doesn't he? And uh, I questioned him last night about it. We had a good chat about it, didn't we? And um, he reckons that he was in my camp before he actually did the analysis. And now he's a bit torn. What what did you make of the report? (sighs) I think the, the saying goes, stats, stats and damn stats. Um, or if it didn't I've just made it up Uh, look we've had this discussion about stats numerous times 
I mentioned how Maurice Bauer is one of the worst footballers I've seen at Celtic Park and the stats apparently proved me wrong. Said that he was a, a defensive great qualities were quite high. Yeah. Yep. Greg Taylor's took a, a, a lot of stick this season, but he's also got his um he's also got his own backers who say he's got great talents that we've just not seen yet. The stats say that he's the worst left back in Scotland. I don't particularly agree with that and I think stats can hide a lot of what the the fan sees through their own eyes. It's up to us to make our own opinions and Alan, what he does is, is fantastic and I see a lot of people um, now moving to do like expected goals, expected penalties, expected assists, things like that. It's not for me. Um, I, I look at it if for what I see on the park and... The stats will then show me at the end of the game whether I thought I was right or wrong, um, but it's not going to change my opinion on it. No, I, I think it's, it's, you know what? I think it's good as an addition, Colin. I don't think we can put all the eggs in either of the two baskets. I like to embrace as much information as I can get, and obviously, you, you know that can then shape your opinion. Mm-hmm. But I would implore anyone to go and check out Alan's blog. It's very, it's intriguing. Yeah, definitely, it's yeah. intriguing stuff. Um, Celtic by numbers and uh, Alan will come onto the podcast when he's allowed and uh, we'll get some more thoughts from him as well now we've had loads of comments coming in Colin but before you go because I won't see you again till next Wednesday give me a couple of predictions for, to, for Leo, tomorrow night Leo and Aberdeen tomorrow night uh, do you know what let's let's end this on a positive note let's kind of look it's to it's not been negative no it's not been negative but let's let's look positively we've put the the tough week that we've had behind us um, and let's look positively towards the next couple of games okay <laughs> right okay my heart says one each tomorrow night Leo yes give me a goal scorer I'll go with Lee Griffiths, Griffiths. to get the goal alright I'll, I'll, you know what I'm going to agree with you there with that. My head one, says one. my head says we could get beat three or four one though. But okay. my heart says one each. Right. At the weekend against Aberdeen, one off cup game, we've been very good in cup games. Um Aberdeen are making the travel down to Glasgow. They don't like coming down here. I'm gonna go for Celtic to win three one at the weekend. I love your positivity. Now Colin it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you back on the show after a wee absence so all that's left for me to say is thank you to everybody who's got involved and who is commenting via Twitter, YouTube and Facebook and thank you Colin Watt for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Take care guys. gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.